everybody welcome to monster movie fun time go i am your host honey b and i'm your other host precious d and uh today we are looking at the deadly mantis from 1957 oh, honey b they built a giant 200 foot by 40 foot paper mache mantis for this movie. Oh, really? Is that why it looked so good? With a wingspan of 150 feet and fitted with a hydraulic system. And wow. then there was smaller ones for the um, flying and walking scenes. Yeah, I was pretty um, impressed with how good the mantis actually looked. Like, it looked pretty good. Yeah. And then there's a real one that. Uh, Climbs up the side. Crawls. Yeah. <laughs> the Washington Monument, yeah. uh, which they took the trouble to, you know, make a model of the Washington Monument rather than just throwing it on top of a postcard like <laughs> in the beginning of the end. <laughs> so that's uh, Yeah, it was good. It was better anyway. Uh, it's 78 to 79 minutes long in black and white, directed by Nathan H. Huron and starring Craig Stevens, Alex Talton, and William Hopper. Ah. And I don't have a budget or a box office for this. Bummer. Apparently, this is Nathan Huron's first science fiction film, which implies that there are others, but I don't really know. Hmm. Oof, so, well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sound Maybe. apprehensive about this movie honeybee well okay it, no i just it was pretty good like i don't know if this will make sense but uh -huh. i feel it was it was like the cleanest movie we've seen not like as in like like cleaner explicit or like cleaner dirty but like 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 the mantis looked really good and uh -huh. certain things just looked really clean you know there were like the acting was really but it was just <laughs> so boring <laughs> so very professionally made but boring yeah well okay so we start off way boring with a slow pan across a map <laughs> we start in like the united states and then we pan right and then we pan down and oh, God. focus on the wendell sea which is near the Antarctic Circle and zoom in on some tiny little island that I think they just drew on this map. I'm, I don't think it's a real island. <laughs> they just made it up. And we cut to a volcano mm -hmm. and a narrator. And is this the where the narrator is Robbie the Robot? <laughs> Robbie the Robot? Is that a real thing? Yeah. Oh, Oh, honeybee. Uh-oh. What have that, I done? That hurts. <laughs> oh, no. Um, Ro Robbie the Robot is from Forbidden Planet, which came out like a year before this, I think, but is a actually 
big budget proper movie. Mm -hmm. Then Robbie is reused over and over again throughout the years on other movies oh. and sitcoms and any Interesting. number of things. Marvin Miller, who was the voice of Robbie the Robot in Forbidden Planet, is the narrator in this movie. And Robbie is quite famous. I have a model of him that has Marvin Miller's voice when you push a button. For your convenience, I am monitored to respond to the name Robbie. And lights up and stuff. So uh, someday we will watch Forbidden Planet. Maybe not for this show, but you and I will watch <laughs> Forbidden Planet. Hell yeah. Deal. And I think he may be the narrator in one of our upcoming movies, but the credits don't say who the narrator is. In. But he starts talking. He tells us that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And then we cut back to the map and do a slow pan back up to the Arctic Circle, from the Antarctic Circle up to the Arctic Circle, to the North Pole. And so far, this movie's only had stock footage and a map. <laughs> <laughs> but then it shows us at two minutes and 45 seconds, our first shot of the Mantis, who is frozen in ice. And Yeah, I was like, oh, this is a little bit of a mashup. We got some uh, volcanic eruptions like the black scorpion oh we got something in ice we got yep. some, a little bit of a mashup some crossovers here yeah yeah uh now with this one though this one and the black scorpion it's all completely natural there's no mm -hmm. atomic stuff there's no yeah experiment going on it's just nature coming to get us so i found <laughs> that to be an interesting change then the narrator starts giving us an educational film about radar. <laughs> he just goes on for quite some time about radar and the fence, the figurative radar fence that protects us from various threats. And there are planes and islands and, and pickets, I think, is part of the fence metaphor. Maybe that's what they actually call some of the radar stations. Mm, and I'm not sure. There's a pine tree radar fence, as he calls it, and a distant early warning system, the Dew Line, assembled by a secret fleet. And this whole thing just sounds like a propaganda film. It sounds like a part propaganda film, part educational film. Then there's an airplane being flown by Colonel Parker, and that made me wonder, where is Elvis? But then apparently it's Colonel Parkman. Not Colonel, not Elvis's agent and manager, <laughs> Colonel Parker. They're at an outpost way up in the north, and they're playing jazz. <laughs> and uh, there's some kind of sound coming over the radar. They're looking at the radar, but there's noise coming over it. Mm. Oh, is this when he says, I never saw a bloop like that before? <laughs> uh, no, I think this is earlier. This is the small outpost. So the plane flies over and then but then we cut to the small outpost where there's just two guys and there's something coming towards them and it's almost on top of us and then the door blows in mm -hmm. and ready for one is trying to call them and the plane reports that weather weather shack number four is damaged and there's no answer so Colonel Parkman gets in a plane to go check. Oh, I know what this plane was earlier. Earlier, I think we just see Colonel Parkman arrive in his plane for no real reason. Yeah. 
just to introduce him. They, I don't know why. He yeah, that, that's in like this the, scene. This, this is the biggest problem with this movie that I have is everything is like this. Like they yeah. put like it's so much information, and instead of like you like you said introducing him in this scene, we're like let's just add a whole scene that we don't need at all. Yeah, yeah. Just, there was a whole first uh, scene of like, him just just uh, landing and getting out, and somebody coming up to him and going, "Colonel Parkman," and we didn't need that, right? Because then he gets back in his plane to go check on the outpost, and uh, I think he's got another guy with him, lieutenant, and the outpost is smashed. And they say two two men don't just vanish. Well, these did. <laughs> Nothing's been reported. No footprints. Some kind of tracks in the sh- in the snow that look like uh you know ski tracks or or runners on a snow plane or something but he, they mm-hmm. say it's too short for a plane and it's not a helicopter and then they sweep away a little bit of snow and there is a big giant three-toed well what we know is a mantis print <laughs> in, in the snow and uh back at base they're going over when the most recent contact was it was five days ago and weather four made contact with weather one at 08 13 and everything was jake <laughs> so it gets a nice old-timey slang there yeah there's a lot of good stuff a lot of good little old-timey sayings in this one yeah and the uh operator picks up something that doesn't make sense and then it's gone and it's a very quick blip that's when the guy i think says i've never seen a blip like this before mm-hmm. so red alert stock footage even the guy in the control tower uh, talking to the airplanes is just stock footage guy they've just yeah. dubbed over him yeah yeah not a lot of action yeah and something about bogey 90 miles nothing here bogey's disappeared and all right everybody come back but later, a, a larger plane hears some kind of buzzing and it gets hit. And um, we only see, we see like stock footage of a big plane. And then we see a small cockpit set that shakes around and a dead guy falls through the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, more stock footage planes take off and they fly over wreckage of the other plane. One of the airplanes has this call sign, Sugar Pie. <laughs> <laughs> sugar pie to red eagle red eagle one and uh, the colonel and the lieutenant examine the wreck and they find more footprints like at the weather shack and a torn up hat but where are the bodies mm-hmm. and that's and they find a broken giant piece of what looks like Something. a claw yeah it almost yeah, we're falls. Not sure. it got caught in the airplane and it almost falls on the colonel and then they go examine the claw back at the base, and it's sharp as a needle. It does not look sharp as a needle. It doesn't at all. <laughs> that, that, it's it's too big to be sharp as a needle. It also just looks really rounded and dull. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't look sharp. But where do we go from here? We'll have to let Conad worry about that and the narrator informs us what Conad is, the Continental Air Defense Command in Colorado Springs. Which is the focal point of the supersonic shield that guards North America. I think he's talking about the radar shit again. And he shows us a series of what he calls hot phones, which I think we would call call hotlines. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, 15 seconds to Alaska, 10 seconds to Newfoundland, five seconds to somewhere I couldn't tell what he was saying, and three seconds to the Pentagon. And then the Pentagon phone rings. Gasp. And General Ford answers. And something about Antarctic Command deliver a package. I think they're taking the claw to the Pentagon or some. So later at the Pentagon, they've been studying this claw for two days. And Professor Gunther, is that his name? I'm not sure what his name was. <laughs> Professor, I just felt bad that the other guy just just like at one point just like screaming in his face. I was like, whoa, 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 (laughs) chill, man. Why are you screaming in this little old gentleman's face? Uh Well, Professor Somebody says it's from a creature, but he doesn't know what. Right. He does say that maybe it could be an insect at this point. Yeah. And then one of the generals or somebody says, you're not suggesting it comes from a creature at present unknown. Well, obviously it comes from a creature at present unknown. <laughs> what a weird oh. thing to say. Like, do you know what this is from? Well, it's that's clearly a, it's clearly some kind of giant claw that's not <laughs> like anything we've seen. Uh, so then they suggest we should ask Dr. Nedrick Jackson from the Museum of Natural History who is a paleontologist and whatnot. And I wrote, Nedrick? 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 Exclamation point. <laughs> so we cut to Ned and Marge at Marge. the museum. Marge, is she a lady scientist? Maybe. Maybe. No, no she's an editor of some kind. She edits oh. and, and takes photographs and probably writes and is possibly the entire staff. For the museum magazine. So I guess if you have a membership to the museum, you get this magazine or you can buy it in the gift shop or something. <laughs> and she's working on a feature life parades through the ages and going over this with Ned when the Pentagon calls. Now, honeybee, did you think that the two of them were a couple? Wasn't sure, especially because they don't really look at each other. They mostly stand side by side, which I thought was like kind of strange. I didn't really know what was like if they were a couple or not. At at first, I like just assumed like Shirley, but then I was like, "Eh, I don't think so. Yeah, at first, yeah, I assumed that they were a couple, but that they were just at a comfortable point in their relationship where you know he's yeah he's not constantly having to be a creep and. come on to her and stuff and you know they weren't at the trying to become a couple stage that they were at the already a comfortable couple stage but turns out later they are not a couple nope (laughs) yeah and ned doesn't seem at all upset when she starts coupling up with somebody else so Right. Uh, I guess they're just friends. Yeah, I think they're just yeah. They are professional colleagues who behave professionally. So that's it's fine. I do want to say I'm sure I've said something to this effect before, but these movies on the whole, I think, are much more progressive than say television shows of the time. Yeah, we have not seen very many wives or girlfriends i don't think we've seen any wives Mm-mm. and they're usually not girlfriends until the end of the movie <laughs> right right in some of the japanese ones we've seen girlfriends yeah but uh if anybody becomes a girlfriend that's secondary they're all single working career women who have their own thing going on independent of whatever love story shit is happening yeah i just find that quite 
interesting because we're only up to 1957 at this point. I think the women in these monster movies are doing pretty well for them. Yeah, so they are. I, I appreciate Work. that. Uh, but anyway, the Pentagon calls and Marge uh, wants to. Oh, uh, he's no, I'm sorry. Ned says maybe they want to call me back into the service. Uh, yeah. Establishing that Ned was in a war. Korea at this point. Uh, I don't know what years the Korean War. Another movie from this same year has a Korean War event in it. So and Ned does some phone work. Yes, yes, I see. Okay, thank and you. And it's, it's terrible, too. Yeah. The phone work. He doesn't like, he either is like not waiting for anyone to say something and like, or he's waiting way too long. Yeah. Like, like so. Hey, professor. Oh, really? Yeah. You mean it? <laughs> so it's, uh, it's uh, something secret. Maybe they found an old bone at the North Pole. He um, doesn't want to tell her. Says he can't tell her. Uh, or does that come later? Anyway, Nedrick examines. We cut to him examining the claw with a big ass magnifying glass. <laughs> and he says it's not bone. It's grizzly and cartagenous. And then Ned explains about exoskeletons yeah. and suggests that they check if the fluid is insect blood. Insect blood will not have red corpuscles, I think he said. Mm-hmm. We've seen this in other movies where they spend a lot of time trying to solve a mystery that we, the audience, already know the answer to. Yeah. And I, I find that really odd. It's just so unnecessary and it just makes the movie so much longer. <laughs> also, I don't know what if you had to watch this movie with ads, but I did, and it made it way longer than it needed to be, <laughs> which may be another reason I why think, I was yeah. like, this movie is so boring. I, I think I did, yeah. But the thing is, if if you want to make a big mystery, then don't give it away in the title or in the first two minutes of the movie, like they did with <laughs> them. Them, they just called it yeah. them, and we didn't know who they were until the people in the movie figure it out. Right. But here they tell us right up front, the beginning of the end hell uh, hid what the creatures were. Mm-hmm. At least didn't give it away in the title. Yeah. I don't know. I guess that I just think they should actually have some mystery if they want to spend all them so much time solving the mystery. Agreed. Good Ned point. Goes, <laughs> Ned goes back to the office and Marge just takes his pictures. He's walking by. I think this is part of what made me think that they were a couple taking his picture like that. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But Ned uh, is frustrated with the newspaper, and Marge reads a headline about polar tragedies and immediately figures out what's going on. (laughs) And wants him to tell her about it, because this would be a great scoop for the museum mag. So he tells her, but she has to, you know, keep a lid on it. And he says that it was a claw in mottled green, draws a quick sketch of it, Mm -hmm. and... Looking at this, like, two-line sketch that he does, <laughs> Marge says that it looks like a spur on the leg of a grasshopper or a cricket, uh-huh. which is quite a leap based on this triangle, basically, that could be yeah. a claw or a tooth or a horn or anything. Yeah. But uh, he says, well, if, if, that, if it is that, it's the biggest creature that ever lived. Mm-hmm. Professor Gunther calls, and it is insect blood. It's got no red corpuscles. And Ned talks to Gunther about prehistoric giant insects. But how could it be alive today? And then he speculates that 
recently in Siberia, they found some mammoths, which is true. And if they were frozen quickly enough, they could have been alive. And they're like, those mammoths were dead. And like, well, we don't know that. We all we read was that somebody found mammoths and then ate them. Ate them. Yeah. This is is true. Some people have found mammoths and then the meat, I guess, was still good because it was frozen. It was still good enough to eat. But he's like, what if they were alive when they found it and they just killed it and ate it anyway? (laughs) Which is just stupid. Uh, Ed has narrowed down potential insects down to a mantis, which walks Mm -hmm. and leaps and flies. And there is no more deadly or voracious creature. Cut to a bunch of uh, Inuits. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, because then she's like, (laughs) she's like holding a book and she's like, you mean this cute little bug? And then the camera like pans into the book and shows like this right. like drawing of the mantis and his face is just like Ew. he has like angry <laughs> little eyebrows he's yeah. like you mean this cute little bug and he's just like Rah! it's so <laughs> it's, funny i don't okay, i would not no, describe then, man- mantises as cute would you <laughs> i mean i think they're beautiful like i think they're really beautiful like bugs i love the big eyes and the shape of their head like very uh-huh. alien head shape i think they're beautiful bugs but it's just, I definitely wouldn't describe them as cute, and I definitely did not expect the one that she was looking at to look so <laughs> devilish, so mischievous. <laughs> yeah, he was so angry. <laughs> he was so funny. It was like the highlight of the movie was that like little cartoon mantis just like, Mwah! <laughs> uh, So then we cut to a bunch of uh, Inuits who are evacuating via kayak from some buzzing noise and a bunch of their dogs running away too. And then at 33 minutes and 17 seconds, we get a better proper look at the living giant puppet mantis, which as we said, looks pretty good. Yeah, it looks really good. It does sound like he has some sort of upper respiratory issues. (laughs) Um, He has like maybe asthma or something. He's a little wheezy. But uh-huh. he looks great. And the new newspaper tells us uh, Greenland Eskimos terrorized because they still use the term Eskimo back then. I didn't realize that any of them lived in Greenland, but there you go. Why wouldn't they? Yep. And the press is at the Pentagon and they, <laughs> the reporters all recognize Ned. <laughs> is he that well known of a paleontologist? Oh, <laughs> Ned. <laughs> Ned, the famous paleontologist known to all the members of the press corps but the general doesn't want to say anything because they only have a theory and ned is getting ready to go uh help the military i guess and marge is coming as his photographer and has already informed the general that she is coming as his photographer yeah but then tries to like pretend to hide her like luggage like at first like like oh uh, hey, hey, don't look over here. And then when he's like, what the hell are you, what, what are you doing? She's like, I'm coming with you as your photographer. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to a, the Arctic base where a corporal is all flustered by Marge, by the fact that there a is a female, a, woman. a female woman. Oh my gosh. Then the Colonel introduces himself. Well, um, Ned says hello to the Colonel. And then he turns to shake hands with Marge and is just, struck dumb 
and stares at her uncomfortably. So uncomfortably. Some asshole whistles at her as she walks by. Ew. Or as he walks by. I don't, or as I, not okay. And then the, the colonel makes his lame joke about, well, there's a saying up here. There's a girl behind every tree, but try to find a tree. Oh, yeah. This whole, like, interaction, this whole scene, even her, where, like, she walks over to the window and, like, there's just a group of men staring in the window at her, like, oh, woman. <laughs> and then she's just, like, staring out at them, like, <laughs> oh, this is so silly. I was like, what is she doing? What are you doing? What's happening here? Like, <laughs> what? this whole thing is just so awkward. Yeah, the guy, the, the line that the guy says is, a female woman, I thought they'd stopped making them. Like, first of all, they, like, you don't, you can't even acknowledge, like, what? That a woman comes from a woman? That any, anybody comes from a woman, you douche nozzle? Anyway, well, um, I mean, it's a bunch Ew. of military, army, air force, or whatever that have been at this Arctic base for a long time. I guess a long stretch. There's no yeah. one at the base, and they don't Ew. deal with it very well. They do not handle it well at all. It's awkward. <sighs> Ew, and then the guy when he asks her to dance, or first asks the yeah. guy if she can dance, and then the guy's like, "I don't ask her." And then, like, can you imagine? They don't show it, thank the Lord. But can you imagine how awkward that dance was? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> ew. Oh, God, ew. Uh, so, um, <laughs> but we uh, we cut to uh, the mantis is in the crevice. Walking as slowly as he possibly could. And Ned, Marge, and Colonel check out skid marks. And then there's some, they fly, then they fly away. And then there's skid marks at the edge of the crevice, I guess, indicating that the mantis has left it. Mm -hmm. And we get more jazz, goddammit, at the uh, (laughs) base rec room. And this this is what you were talking about. Everybody's leering at Marge and the corporal asks her to dance. Jazz, (laughs) goddammit. In case you didn't know, precious doesn't really like jazz. People say to me, Precious, what don't you like about jazz? And I say, the way it sounds. (laughs) There's some ominous music as the mantis approaches the base at night. And Ned is working and slowly slowly the mantis approaches the colonel and marge come in he talks about carnivorous uh, i guess they say must say something about whether or not this thing really exists and he says well people used to think carnivorous plants were bunk did they have we not known about those until recently i'm not i don't <laughs> i don't Oh, and then the mantis is at the window doing his, you know, his King Kong impression. Doing his Kong thing, his Kong window moment. But unlike every other insect we've seen so far, this mantis is very quiet. Yeah, until he's not. Yeah, he's In which case, like, when the mantis is, like, yeah, making a sound. What I did like about the mantis's sound in this movie is... Unlike, you know, them or uh, even the Black Scorpion, they didn't do that, like, repeat, like, that sound. The Mantis actually roars. 
Uh-huh. Kind of like a dinosaur. You mean they didn't just rip off the same trilling noise that everybody else yeah, ripped off from like them? It, yeah, exactly. It wasn't that same, like, repetitive, skittery noise. It was yeah. actually like a roar of sorts, which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> I did. So March finally sees it and screams, and then crash, smash, condition red, guns, flamethrowers, roar! Uh, uh, I wrote flying, land... Oh, Loud when flying. Okay, so that yeah, the the mantis gets very loud when it's flying because you know, mm-hmm. and it flies away. And but then we cut to some planes, and then coffee is being handed out the next morning, <laughs> and nine hours without a whisper. So it seems like everybody's been up all night and all day, and there's patrols around the clock. And then we cut to the mantis flying over water, which seems like a bad idea to me. <laughs> Isn't he going to get tired and need to land? Would... I mean... It doesn't seem like it's... A... It seems like he's out to sea. He's not just flying over a lake or something, but we don't really yeah. know. Sure. But he finds a place to land. A boat. <laughs> <laughs> and he attacks that poor boat. <laughs> well, he is a deadly mantis after all. Yeah. And then at the base, uh, what did I put here? Canada, Canada, Mater, Radar? Oh, Ca- Cana- Ca- Canada Radar Force calls in. But the Canada. Canadian the Canadian guy sounds very British. That happens sometimes. Yeah, they caught an unidentified object at 0400, and it's moving to, at 200 miles an hour. But Ned informs us that the deer fly can fly at 600 miles per hour. So, and we get some map work tracking its movements straight south to the tropics. They speculate that it's going. And Conad, Conad is on the hotline. Pine Tree got it too. They told us earlier the the lines of radar is called Pine Tree radar. So Pine Tree caught an image of the thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're on our way to Washington. They're going to go to Washington to, I guess, talk to the Pentagon about it. And then we get that good old-fashioned newspaper Zoom thing (laughs) where several, usually three, headlines zoom at the screen in succession. Mantis reported at Bangor. Curfew ordered in New Orleans. Congressman calls Mantis hoax. And this one really, really (laughs) struck home. (laughs) Uh, he demands an investigation. This, this is just so, I'm just going to say it, it's so Republican. It's just oh, so current that some congressman just doesn't believe what's going on. Uh, so it's not a new thing, I guess. Not a new thing. And then uh, there's some kind of conference, and whoever's hosting it, uh, I guess a press conference, introduces General Ford, who tells us it's real. <laughs> And then Ford introduces Colonel Parkman. And we cut to families listening on the radio and watching on the television. And they talk about the Civilian Ground Observation Corps will likely spot it. And I looked this up. This is a real thing. Oh. The Ground Observation Corps, which gets a shout out in the closing credits. So I guess they use some some real people in it. There was one during... World War Two, and then there was a second one during the Cold War, and it was, you know, and it was, you know, civilians on the ground, uh, 
was part of the civilian defense force, and it was their job to... Yes, the second one was started in 1950 and was an arm of the United States Air Force Civil Defense Service. Oh. And I guess it was a yeah. job, job to keep their eyes open for enemy airplanes. And or giant bugs. Yes. And the colonel shows the size of the mantis compared to a plane. And please, everybody, report any unusual flying objects. And then we see the mantis flying, an aircraft carrier, and klaxons going off, and more stock footage of planes taking off. They spent all their money on the paper mache mantis. Yeah, which looks great. <laughs> and had nothing left for any actual new footage. It's all just stock footage of Air Force guys doing their thing. Yeah. Guns on? I don't know. And Mantis is spotted. Missiles fired. Oh, they've got somebody in the airplane, I think, says put to turn their guns on. I guess they have to be turned on. Mm. Uh, the missiles are fired, and about half of them, I think, hit. And they inform us that target is down. Cannot confirm kill due to overcast. It's very foggy. But we see mm -hmm. that the Mantis is still flying. Yeah. In the fog. And cut to Ned reading the ticker tape reports. And Marge, Marge is making notes on a map. Mm -hmm. And they seem tired. And tired, hello? Marge seems glad to see Colonel... Oh, yeah, yeah. I wrote... The, so the, the Colonel comes in, and Marge seems glad to see him. And I wrote, what gives? <laughs> so, and now it tells us we're working on Operation Marge, because it was her idea. They're tracking every unusual occurrence. So he's reading off all these reports of strange shit, and she's marking it down on the map. Mm -hmm. And it's after midnight, and they think all these these strange reports, they can figure out which ones of them are about the mantis and track where it's going. But hadn't they previously decided it was going to the tropics? Oh, freaking no. They seem to change their mind. I was, like, trying to stay awake at this point. <laughs> So the colonel says, hey, it's after midnight. You need to get some sleep. I'm taking you home. And the colonel just takes Marge, just sort of seizes Marge, puts her in his car, and she starts falling asleep on his shoulder. And then our uh, our good friend, the Exposition Radio Network, comes on to inform us of a train wreck uh, north of Lower Maryland. Mm -hmm. But Marge is instantly awake, and they decide it's only a few miles. Let's go. I'll have a look. The police try to turn the car back, and we see stock footage of a wreck. Yeah, and then at some point on a on a radio, or someone says like in the radio or to a radio, like "Go ahead, Voldemort." I'm not sure what they actually <laughs> said, but I was like, I was like, "What?" I think you were falling asleep at that point. <laughs> <laughs> they probably said, "Go ahead, report." Oh, maybe, yeah. I just heard, go ahead, Voldemort. My, that's what my note says. I was like, <laughs> yes, what a plot twist, is what I put. <laughs> so, uh, the colonel, who I guess his name is Joe, decides it's just an accident, but then we see a footprint in the fog. Bum, bum, bum. And at a red light, what the fuck? Yeah, this is a real what the fuck moment. At a red light, Joe decides this is the time, in the fog, mm -hmm. which is dangerous. Joe decides to make his move and kisses Marge, and Marge is like, light is green. <laughs> the light just turned green. And Joe says it's too dangerous to drive in fog like this. It's even more dangerous to just stay parked just in the middle of the street. Just fucking sit there. Yeah, no shit. 
<sighs> yeah, I was like, please make it end. But uh, remember what happened back there at the train? And Smooch. And Marge says, mm, this is more dangerous. Which it fucking is. Get out of the road, you idiots. Mm-hmm. Well, there you going. And then this bus comes in hot. What is going on with this bus? Yeah. It, 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 he just he just pulls into the bus stop way too fast. It kind of skids to a halt. The uh, I'm going to call the mutual transportation company and complain about his driving. <laughs> Some lady gets off. He's like, "Yeah, hey, you forgot your package, lady." And, and it's good to get home safely with all the strange goings on out there. And I'm like, "Well, she's dead." <laughs> Turns out I was wrong. She's not the one that dies. Everybody that stayed on the bus dies. Yeah, she just gets to watch it. Yeah, the mantis shows up and smashes the bus. And Exposition Radio Network once again tells us... There's been an accident just five minutes ago. So they are re- their reporters are really on the ball. Marge yeah, is still are. not home yet. How far away does Marge live? Yeah, they're still in the car. Yeah, listening to this shit. They're still in the car. And the reporters already got to the scene and sent a report back to the radio station. In the fog. <laughs> yeah. And they tell us that this is the seventh accident in 24 hours. And then we see the woman is not dead. It's just everybody else. And Colonel and Marge show up at the bus scene. And the radio says the mantis is sighted over Washington. And more stock footage. And here's where the mantis hits the Washington Monument and climbs up the model, which looks much yeah. better. I wrote, much better than beginning of the end. Agreed. Much better. More stock footage. Plane's getting ready and taking off. Colonel Parkman's in a plane. Ned and Marge are just hanging out with General Ford at HQ because why? Because uh, they were there at the beginning? Because Philo, yes. First in, last out. <laughs> no reason for them to be hanging out with the general at this point. They're just there because they've been there. Uh, so the general says fire at anything not identified as friendly. <laughs> and the big guns miss. Target is lost. Drop below the radar net. Drop below the radar net. Mr. Narrator keeps telling us how great this fucking radar net is. <laughs> All you gotta do is drop below it. Uh, but don't worry, one of the ground observers will pick it up. Which is why you need a ground observer core. Because fucking radar sucks. <laughs> Uh, so we get, so here we get stock footage of some observers calling in and a radio operator informing the planes. Uh, what is this? It's going to be in Newark in a few seconds. So the planes engage the mantis. Mantis. Colonel Joe is in a plane that hits slash grazes the mantis and the pilot ejects. I think we'd find out later that it's Joe that ejected, but it was not clear at the moment. And then the man just goes down somewhere in the city. Yeah. Then we cut to them hosing down a tarp at the Manhattan Tunnel. Yeah. At some point while we were looking, the mantis went into the tunnel. And they are now filling it with smoke and hosing down tarp. And some guy says, oh, yeah, there's, so there's some dude just, you know, trying to go through the tunnel and he can't. And he's like, the TV said the flyer who shot down is gonna go into the tunnel after it and this nosy guy is is still uh nosy guy ask oh the nosy guy is asking if it's still in the tunnel and this is where we find out they're they're saturating the tunnel with smoke Mm -hmm. so the 
Colonel Joe, Ned, Marge talk to the general that is sure it is mortally wounded. If we can keep it in the tunnel, it will die. But they're afraid it might break through the tunnel wall and cause a flood? I don't know. But Joe's going in. He's wearing a weird hazmat suit, and he's briefing a whole group of guys in hazmat suits. Mm-hmm. And he said, the smoke is for cover. Use it. Uh, which one of you is carrying chemi- the chemical mines? They have some kind of 3RG mines that are effective in a limited area. So watch for the signal. And let's go. <laughs> and in the tunnel, the mantis is still alive and smashing up cars. Throwing toys around. Yep. You know the drill. Yep. Gunfire, growling. There's a bunch of bang, bang, and they retreat. Joe <laughs> throws a 3RG and boom, the mantis. mantis is still alive. Run. He said, say it to my face, you little bitch. <laughs> and more bang, bang, and throw another one. Nope. Retreat, Ooh. but wait, but wait, it's dying. Is it dying? Uh, ugh, uh asthma noises. <laughs> Dead. Yes. And then I'm like, why the fuck is there still more movie after this? Right, because what is the rule? Good. Monster die, die everybody, everybody cry. cry. Right, but no, it keeps going. No. <laughs> the smoke clears and everybody comes to look. And Marge has her camera. Ned tells her, there's your cover for next month's magazine, Marge. Go on, take your picture. Yeah, why are they, like, picking on her? I don't know. She's a little little nervous, and they think it's funny. Yeah, a little shaken up. Yeah, what the fuck? I don't know. They think it's funny. Hmm. She wants to know what's so funny. But she approaches it to take the picture, and the general... They go to examine the side of it. The general's like, where did you crash into it? Oh, I'll show you. We're here looking at the side of the mantis. While Marge's fears turn out to be 100% justified because the mantis appears to be not quite dead and starts reaching up its little claw. And uh, Joe notices and does a look out, Marge, and they runs at her and they crawl underneath the slow, very slowly falling arm. <laughs> God. Like, I thought you said you killed it. Uh, Ned assures us it's just a reflex mechanism. He's dead. Joe is carrying her at this point, and she says, put me down. I've got pictures to take. And he says, that can wait. Because apparently killing mantises makes him horny. I guess so. So She's like, what about my pictures? He says, let Ned do it. And then throws her delicate piece of photographic equipment to Ned, who fortunately catches it. You can't be tossing it. This is a big ass old fashioned camera, you know, with one of those big flashes on the side. You can't be throwing shit like that around. What the fuck, man? Yeah, man. He doesn't even look. He just throws it off to the side. But fortunately, he <laughs> catches it and takes a picture of them smooching. Ha, ha, ha. The end. The spoon. The end. We gratefully acknowledge the cooperation of the Ground Observer Corps. So, there you go. That is the Deadly Mantis. The Deadly Mantis. So, tell me what you think. What you think. I like the Mantis. Same. Uh, I thought the whole non-relationship between Ned and Marge was weird, but <laughs> I, I guess, you know, I guess they were just professionals being professional, just work colleagues. Yeah. But, uh, you know, in these movies, they they do always try to go for the 
romance. We just didn't get it till. The- no, but I guess no one can actually be in a relationship. They have to find one during the course of the movie. Yeah. So, uh, oh. I don't. I have no idea what the kill count was in this movie. Um, everybody seemed to parachute safely out of the airplanes that he smashed. <laughs> he killed two guys at the outpost and maybe two guys on a boat. Is that it? Did he, mean, catch, did he catch any of the Inuits? I don't think so. He like just like destroyed some buildings and shit, but yeah, he, we're not sure if there are people in them, I guess. Well, they all got in their kayaks and rode away. So uh, maybe he wasn't that deadly after all. <laughs> How come there's so many of these movies in 1957? Like 1957 yeah. was just the year for like... Uh, peak, peak big bug movies in 1957. Plus, uh... We're going to try and do the Mysterians later. That's also from 1957. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know why so many of them. And as we pointed out earlier, Mara Corday in the three of them, three or four of them. So uh, I guess they were big business that year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not, I haven't you know done an analysis of our list, but I don't know if we have quite so many concentrated in just one year. So I'll, have to, <laughs> I'll have to check that later. Because we still have uh, three more movies in this year. Yeah. So there you go. Well, I guess that's going to uh, about wrap it up for today. What are we going to yeah. give? What are we going to rate? What are we going to rate this movie? Man, it's so hard because I feel like this movie, like I said, it was good in a lot of senses, but it was just so fucking boring and so long. I feel like this was a movie that was like on in the background at my granny's house. <laughs> Like, you know, like just no one was watching it, but it was just on like the just, I don't know, super strange. So I feel like, um, honestly, it's like a two, 2.5, but I feel like, yeah, I mean, 2.5. Yeah, I think I'll agree with that. Uh, I think I'm gonna give it a racist factor of one half, 0.5, because we did see that non-white people exist. Mm-hmm. but they didn't have any lines or names or anything. Yeah. So that's uh, an improvement, I guess. <laughs> just, yeah. showing, just showing as they exist and they weren't being made fun of or anything like that. So yeah, I'm going to call it a 0. 0.5. I would, I would give it a solid one, I guess, just for the Eskimo factor also. I don't think they were presented. I mean, they use the term Eskimo, but that that's a term. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what they used at the time. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything pejorative about it, and they weren't. Uh, it looked like it was just stock footage, frankly. Probably was. So I think they were actual people in their actual kayaks. They weren't being stereotyped or played by white people or anything like that. Yeah. Cool. So, All right. So Thanks, five. folks. Don't watch okay. this movie. Uh, we already did. So <laughs> follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, it's at Funtime Go, I think, on Twitter, and MMFTG on Instagram. Send us a message. Email us at MonsterMovieFuntimeGo at gmail.com. Send us a voicemail to anchor.fm slash MMFTG. Uh, go buy our t-shirts, cafepress.com slash MMFTG. Remember, yeah. keep calm and take shelter in basements. We will not see you, but you will hear us <laughs> next time on Monster Movie Fun Time Go. Monster Movie Fun Time Go!
You've been listening to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacano Folk Rock Punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg. Fun time go!